Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Jams Key Podcast Record Club, where each week, one of us picks an album for the rest of us to listen to and review, and then we review it. And this week, we are discussing the epic, the monumental, the absolute titan of its genre, Teo Cruz's Rockstar. August, why did you do this to me? <laughs> so, for those unaware, aka those of you who are under the age of 14, uh, <laughs> our primary demographic. Teo Cruz is a British-born musician, talent extraordinaire, who, uh, well, he's a bit of an enigmatic figure in that he represents this, this period of time this time that we've spent a lot of jams and tea obsessed with, this shift of the 2000s into the 2010s is, is a way I really like to think of Teo as an artist. And it is, it is worth establishing where he comes from. Teo basically began his career featured on the Tinchy Strider song, Take Me Back, which peaked at number three on the UK singles charts. And way back when, when there was a website called MySpace, he uh, created his own record label called Rockstar to promote and disseminate his music. And from here, the ball started rolling. And then we, he meets up with UK producer Fraser T. Smith, who pairs him with American rapper Ludacris for his breakout and number one single, break your heart so let's talk about uh let's talk about break your heart uh, how do we all feel yeah. so i mean this song is garbage it's bad. oh my gosh it's terrible <laughs> it's awful it's and, so uh, annoying it is it is it is one of the three best songs on this album along by a long shot you know what, Teo mm-hmm. Cruz Easily. Is, Easily. Cruz, it's funny we're talking about Teo Cruz to me because he's always been like, <laughs> even though this album has multiple hits on it, even at the time. It, it has three hits. Like, this is something that can be said about Teo. He is definitely not a one-hit wonder because That's to be true. a one-hit wonder, you need one hit. Yeah. Teo has multiple hits. And yet... Who the fuck even cares or knows who Tayo Cruz is now? He is fact, C-list yeah. at best. He is like discount Jason Derulo. And I mean, with, with Jason Derulo, you're already getting Ow. a pretty fucking good bargain. Break the thing about hey, at songs, least Tao wasn't in cats. <laughs> oh, this is, this is the true. only reason Tao wasn't in cats is because again, he's so C-list. He wouldn't have even been asked to be in cats. <laughs> The thing is about Teo Cruz is that like, and you can say this for a lot of artists around that era, they were all basically chasing the spotlight that was really led by Usher, I think in the early 2000s. Yeah, Usher, Pitbull, uh, this kind of dance poppy inflected R&B. To a lesser extent, Chris Brown also was very, very big around the same time for the exact same reasons. And also I think the the ever-present shadow, 
that looms over this whole album is the Black Eyed Peas. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah. All of so, these, like, all these artists, I think, come back to Usher, and they all kind of like. It's so funny because I get to use the pun here that he ushered in this particular mm. uh, wave of, again, as you say, sort of chintzy R and B inflected pop music. I mean, it's so funny. Like the, I mean, no, no disrespect to Usher, who's great, um, but like you think about the main progenitors and the artists who profited the most off of this wave i mean one of them is chris brown another is r kelly actually he came even before usher actually yeah so, he was in and a lot of ways I all of this comes r back kelly, to r kelly yeah. and, and, and in some respects you can r say there's another yeah. progenitor of this style he uh mm. he it really you know emanates out from him and truly, all truly, over on to you truly truly some might say his greatest crime um, but yeah, so Tyre Cruz is not any kind of um, revolutionary. He's not really doing anything new here, but he is moving off of the back of a particular wave that's coming in and also riding the coattails of, a, of particular producers and a particular sound that's really, really big, really, really associated with 2009 and specific like that year, 2009, 2010, a particular era where pop music was you know, I'm not going to say it was disposable because that's not unique to that era, but there was a particular kind of sleazy disposable pop music where like the R&B-esque influenced kind of like dance aesthetics that came to be a really big part of the 2000s had kind of curdled into this sort of like seedier, kind of more overtly sexual and kind of leering version of itself, like with certain artists who came to the fore and it just became less I guess tasteful and that's not necessarily inherently a bad thing but it, it became more about this kind of like dirty creepy sexuality and yeah and I want to speak on that actually because I think that's also reflected within the literal kind of composition of this track with the ludicrous feature because for one his feature is terrible and his rapping is <laughs> mediocre at best and he really comes in here just to deliver this like shitty hook but then you think about why is ludicrous on here but the reason is that tayo is a british artist and i mean you could be forgiven for thinking he was like one of these floridian pitbull types mm. but ludicrous is on here for the explicit reason that Americans need a name they can recognize. So they see, oh, Ludacris, I know that guy. I can listen to this song. Like Ludacris serves here as a bridge to get American audiences to be familiar with Tayo Cruz. And let's think about the, the line he, he delivers on here. So Ludacris on here has to not only name drop himself, but reaffirm that it is indeed Tayo Cruz whom you are listening to. Now, this is a recurring theme throughout Tayo's discography, this, this reaffirmation. You have to know who Tayo Cruz is. Tayo Cruz, it is all about Tayo. He is the man. He is the myth. He is the used car salesman. He is the king of the world, and he wants to let you know. And now this, this kind of king of the world, like, look at me mentality is even further emphasized by something that happens later in his career where he created a social media app called kiwi so people could keep up with what he was doing and i think that's 
That is the importance. Really? Yes. Tayo Cruz, founder of Kiwi Farms. This is the secret importance of Break Your Heart. This song is has nothing to do with breaking your heart. No, this song is about getting you to know, I am Tayo Cruz. I am Tayo Cruz. Look at me. I am Tayo Cruz. That is this song's purpose. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's not like... You know, the, yeah, that, that's that, not that's, revolutionary. That's fairly standard. It's it's what you would kind of expect. What's interesting to think about is that this is Tayo's second album off of the back of his 2008 debut, Departure, which was entirely self-produced, kind of uh, disco-inflected, fairly standard R&B album with uh, singles that did really well on specific genre charts. And this was a deliberate uh, attempt, uh, a kind of pivot for him to really channel into the zeitgeist and hit certain marks with that can we talk about the fact that this is just the progenitor to like all of those kanye west weekend songs that are all like it's like it's like monster and all that shit or like like it's it's basically the core of that song where it's like oh i'm i'm gonna love you but also i'm like a bad guy except it like what if a bad boy had a beautiful voice Except, Except he like, doesn't. The, no, <laughs> that's, the, well, that's thing. the thing is that like a song, a song like this is supposed to establish like a dichotomy where it's just like, oh, I'm gonna, it's like, oh, it's one thing, but I'm another. But like the funny thing about Break Your Heart is that it is purely single-minded. It's just like, I am going to break your heart. And that's it. That's it. That is the only sentiment on this entire song. Like there's nothing else here. It's just him saying that over and over again that's it and that i think is where august interpretation comes into view where it's like with that being the only obvious lyrical message you realize the true message is not even that at all it is just simply to put these names in your head through subliminal messaging essentially uh it's a remarkable advertising (laughs) spin from tayo it is it's 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 really something they call him heartbreaker that's the funniest line to me it's just like the song I'm going to break your heart. They call me heartbreaker. Okay, Ryan Adams. Um, Look, so moving on. There are too many sex offenders. Stop. (laughs) Uh, Moving on. So yeah, the kind of like vague gesture towards a kind of like leery sexuality that's hinted at, I guess, on this song. Not even really. It's so vague and, and just kind of like limp dicked. That does become a little bit more explicit on third single Dirty Picture, for which yes. Tayo Cruz recruits Kesha. Now, this is a really interesting dovetail because I think, and it's you know, it's been well remarked on by this point, but the story of Kesha is fascinating as an insight into the music industry and how it molds and shapes certain artists and how it restricts certain artists' vision. Uh, by this point, it is fairly well known that Kesha's early career under the tutelage of Dr. Luke, who does produce a song on this record, but not this one. We'll get to that. Under his tutelage, she was essentially shaped into this image, this kind of bimbo sleazebag kind of image of this, you know, uh, woman who is all about hedonistic vices and nothing else, essentially, this very two-dimensional thing. And of course, I'm not trying to take away from Kesha's own desire to 
ride that wave and kind of be a part of that but there was a certainly an extent to which she was molded into that and kind of restricted within that frame uh to a point where she wanted to escape from that and also you know during a period in which she was being assaulted and you know brutalized essentially by this figure mm. and it's interesting to think about all of these early songs that she's on i mean this to me this is not a tayo cruise this is a kesha song because oh, this, absolutely. this absolutely does not track yeah. with anything that we've established Tayo to be up to this point. Like this kind of juvenile, pathetically horny individual, like it doesn't jibe well at all with any of the th- ways in which Tayo's kind of with, established with like the Yeah, like the callous heartbreaker image does not work on this track because that, that's simply not what it feels like this this track yeah like you make the point of reads more like some friggin like incel 17 year old well, fucking weirdo you, just you know what's like, funny about it dirty picture you, you know what's funny about it august is that i the more i think about it the more i think that break your heart is the outlier not this because if we look at oh, all the other songs okay. on the album they're all about like being heartbroken and, and and being in love and like you know uh wanting to you know, take me back. I'll never love again. Only you. Falling in love. Keep going. It's, it's yeah. very, it's very Michael Bolton-esque, uh-huh. frankly. God. Mm, and so yes, like, that's it, it's, it's, it's so funny how frazzled and disconnected and disorganized Tayo's image is when you kind of take in all of this music and try to reconcile songs with each other, which is why I think that this is so much more a Kesha song in personality and spirit, at least this era of Kesha, uh, than a Tayo Cruz song, because this particular leery kind of slightly revolting sexuality is kind of not really something that he is able to slide into very well and let's also talk about how influenced this is i think this is a good as good a point as as any to bring up the black eyed peas as well oh yeah going through a similar state around this time as well this is around the time i think that they dropped the end or maybe slightly before that uh, actually, I have to check that, check that out. But they were in a particular period as well where they had embraced this sleazy uh, synth disco variant of their already incredibly irreverent music. That le- and and you were getting all of these sorts of like vaguely euphemistic uh, sexualized songs that were so funny because they were like directly like they were trying to be like coy or allude to sexuality in a way that is suggestive without being explicit so that they could be you know radio friendly but they were doing it in a way that's so like on the nose and just kind of like this was a point where that whole shtick which has always been I think a, a found a foundational part of like R&B and R&B influenced pop is the kind of like sexual suggestiveness of it you're getting it now into an era where it's so kind of commodified and plastic that it's like the suggestiveness is like so <laughs> it's just completely any nuance or any kind of subtlety or any kind of sense of actual sort of intimacy or like even sensuality at all is completely stripped out of it. Oh and yeah, it's just like, that's, it's, it's that's this, definitely true. It's that this it, it just cheap, feel. trashy, just like, you know, and th- all of this kind of built up and built up and built up and climax with Robin Thicke's Blurred Lines in 2013. Yeah. But I mean, this was, that was by far, like it, that was it, by no means a new phenomenon with that song. That was just kind of a saturation oh, yeah. point moment. And this is, I think, another one of those 
countless singles leading up to that kind of explosion or react ultimate reaction against it that you can kind of point to and say like this is <laughs> this is you know essentially representative of the decline of pop is is kind of ridiculous as that sounds like the decline of so many aesthetics and pop music can be traced to a lot of what Tayo was doing here with Fraser T Smith and with his feature collaborators as well and I mean it doesn't get much trashier and just like shamelessly fucking vulgar and I try I don't say that in a like a I don't want to sound prudish because I don't have a problem with these kinds of songs, with songs that are explicitly sexual or anything like that, whatever. But just this idea that there is anything at all remotely sensual or even sexual about this, it is, it's not even remotely any of those things. It is just uncomfortable it, it gives off those weird sex pest vibes it's like you know pressuring someone low-key pressuring someone into sending you nudes something you know yeah. which at the time that whole idea of like nudes which that wasn't even a term then because hence the name of the song like yeah that was such because, a novel concept yeah. that it hadn't kind of become like a internet a, a major part of the way that relationships played out like it is now and so in retrospect this idea of essentially pleading with someone to send you a nude which might have seemed like funny and novel and cutesy at the time now seems incredibly it, creepy yeah it, and and that could be like some of the the kind of sexual bravado that that Teo is is maybe trying to convey where he's like oh I'm gonna be the one to ask to send it me a dirty picture yeah <laughs> look at me i love the Go way he just me. like the, the, the absolutely fucking just disgusting way that he kind of like tries to establish the logic of this request through his first verse where he's like i could oh my dream of ways to the, see the you. first verse is so funny because it's like so tonal like the instrumental is so tonally disparate from the rest of the song. It's like this soft kind of twinkly thing. And then it just gives way into this like hard, like clubby well, disco cause, beat. Cause like the idea is like, he's, you know, it starts off in this romantic place where he's like, I dream of, I could dream of you. I fantasize about yeah. you, the world, tell the world of what I believe. It's so hard for me to see you when you're not here. And then it's like, so fucking send me your tits, bitch. And it's a kind of dynamic the song plays with. And that's part of its trashiness, right? Is that it kind of, it sets up a particular, it relies on a particular trope. And then it relies on essentially subverting that trope but it does it in the most kind of like clunk-headed way imaginable that ends up like feeling like it's kind of just a joke song more than, and maybe to some extent it is, but like it, it, the, the cheapness of it is so like unrewarding and the joke is so like kind of just callously dumb that it's not even like amusing. It's just, it's just weird. And, and discomforting and also like again because Kesha has made her name on and will continue to make her name on a bunch of songs like this it's a shtick that we can see coming that we know already I mean we are for this from the name of the song for starters but also just because we know what the deal is and we know what it's going to be so the subversion doesn't work 
because you can see through the the hollowness of that first verse before you even get to the chorus and the music gets all you know distorted and and whatever and detuned it's it's just a failure of a proposition and in so many different ways I've never heard this song until uh, I had to listen really? to this. The only wow. singles I was familiar with are I was familiar with Dynamite, Break Your Heart, and Higher. Uh, those are the only songs that I heard before. Um, and I think the funniest part of this song is something we haven't talked about yet. And that's just the way it sounds. Oh, it is God. the most hysterically minimal, like, dance electro club beat fit like it sounds like it was made by a four-year-old playing with a doll that they like found and, and it's it, it like it starts off it's it's it is structured like a joke click, in that snap. first verse where she's singing about like like you know it's like this false start and then as soon as kesha comes in it just has this insanely skeletal minimal plink plonk ass beat and it just sounds so awful every song on this album sounds like a variation of this i mean like by contrast dynamite and break your heart sound like an explosion of sonic color compared to the 75% of the album that is not those two singles. And this is like the most one, it is a song that is as musically dimensionless as its lyrics are dimensionless. Mm. I don't even think that's necessarily bad. It's just like, yeah, that, that should be the point here that like nothing Teo is doing is inherently terrible or inherently subversive to the norm it's just the way the particular way it's gone about somehow he makes everything land flat as a singer and also as a personality he can't sell this this is the problem that's exactly the problem with teo cruz is that You don't buy it. I mean, musical cachet, especially in the pop world, is all about personality, authenticity, and realness. That is what pop music Mm. in an image sense is about because people want like a figure they can connect to or understand or establish. And Tayo Cruz just doesn't have that. He's got a goofy name and that's it. Mm. And some of this is emphasized by his third album being called TY.O. Now this may seem like a weird title until you realize that it is titled as a way to show people how to pronounce his name because he was getting mad about his name being mispronounced constantly. And that just shows how shallow the persona here really is because that was a move that was necessary to attempt to revitalize interest and intrigue within the Tayo Cruz brand. Because, I mean, you see it, you say Tayo, Tayo, like, you wouldn't guess what the hell it was if you didn't know how to pronounce it. You wouldn't. And that's why that needed to exist. And the fact it needed to exist is a detriment to its existence. It's a it's an Ouroboros of uninteresting terribleness. I mean, I'm already falling asleep just thinking about it. 
but also like it's so self-defeating because like you're trying to reinforce your brand by essentially changing the spelling of your name so you're trying to reinforce your brand by changing your brand that one wasn't really thought through very well he should have just like re he should have released his third album and just and just released it under the name the the guy who did dynamite that literally just the like that literally would have done so well. Speaking of dynamite, let's talk about Higher, the last single. Uh, and that's enough discussion of Higher. So now we can move on to dynamite. <laughs> can uh, we? Can we? Can we still dwell on the fact yes, that yes. this song okay. has one of my favorite things in the world, where it's just like, now I know how to get down on the floor, floor experience the moves you can't ignore ignore <laughs> every single time but something about this beat that's got me hooked hooked come over here and take a closer look can you can, can you fucking guess what the next forty says is? it is the and it is like like the delivery of with this is so like it either feels like someone who is intentionally going for a kind of dramatic camp or someone who just has so little idea of what they're doing musically that they have no idea that they sound fucking hilarious. This song is so funny. Oh gosh, and I love I love the chorus of higher, higher. Hi. where he's got to do like and every shitty pop song had to do that kind of like that like upward sound yeah and of course he does it here the same thing also happens on dynamite but we don't yeah. get there believe so me. higher uh, is it worth mentioning yeah. that this song was originally written for kylie minogue uh specifically for her her 2010 album aphrodite uh but never ended Correct. up make, making that record and so it was repurposed and retold for Tayo Cruz. How did that exchange happen? Kylie uh, Minogue to Tayo. Where did that pipeline? Where, I'm, oh, they're both, I'm so confused. They're both like dance pop, sort of electro pop artists who, who definitely are taking from like a particular tradition of synthetic, you know, house influenced pop music to, to some extent. I don't think the version on streaming has this, but I think originally this was released uh, as a collaboration with Kylie. Or it was yes, it, it did originally well. feature Kylie Minogue on it, but and it is absolutely uh, streaming has since removed her feature. It is absolutely superior with Kylie because crucially, oh, no doubt it would be. Uh, yeah. She is like singing the chorus alongside Tyo, and her voice is much better equipped to sell it. Because it is worth noting that Tayo, as Jake is illuminated by that, you know, even casual demonstration of some of the energy that he puts into it, he's just not equipped at all to make this work. Yeah. And I mean, this is also an era where auto-tune is becoming an increasingly more and more prominent tool to mm. for musicians to use to really elevate their voice. And Auto-tune is not inherently bad. It is a tool. No. It is a means to an end. And here it sounds like shit. Well, in modern pop music for the last, you know, at least 20, 25 years, like some form of automatic tuning, some form of synthetic vocal adjustment has been relatively normal. 
Um, but what you got with the increasing rise of auto-tune in this particular wave of pop music was a distinct aesthetic that is where the, syn the synthetic element is ramped up and you get this particularly kind of like, actually, I think you could probably even attribute this to Daft Punk to, certain, to a certain extent, actually, where the synthetic treatment of vocals to achieve a particular kind of electrified effect became this huge aesthetic, uh, popular aesthetic signifier of a lot of pop music. And it's admittedly not as egregious here as it is in certain other instances around this time. I mean, a lot of that early Kesha music is just absolutely lathered in it. Um, but it definitely, you notice it particularly, and you notice how it's benefiting, particularly when the singer isn't very good. When a singer is already very good, as you might expect, you don't notice it as much. Yeah. But when it's someone who needs that assist as much as Tayo, you get this level. And the reason why autotune, that, or that particular like heavily synthetic use of it is a problem. The, when, the, re, the times when that becomes a problem is when it becomes clear how necessary it is to make yeah the work. it's it's a reliance on auto-tune that's really and the underlying it, it issue becomes here more and more necessary the less and less of a personality that the individual has right so because no one knows who tayo cruz is because no one knows what tayo cruz's deal is he's just another faceless dude doing this kind of music the limitations and his performance style and the flaws in what he does only become more and more apparent and easier to zero in on and less forgivable for reasons we've kind of already touched on well look let's talk about dynamite i think this yes is, let's, let's make dynamite the denouement of this conversation let's, let's get into all right so dynamite i i feel like like we gotta we we gotta hype this song up mm -hmm. everyone knows dynamite it we is unquestionably the biggest song on the album and i would say also it's, it's the biggest song of his career uh, it, and it is let, the let me tell you only good song on this record and a huge oh, deal no. of that goodness tell comes from the cultural cachet and its place and well, let me time. tell you i will say i i will dissent from you riley because i think this song is terrible this song sounds like I mean, I mean not I don't even I'm, disagree, despite saying before no, that it's a yeah, good not, song. Not that we, yeah, I don't think we really disagree <laughs> here, but yeah, this song it sounds terrible. It's like this unlistenable drivel. Like it feels like an auto-generated song. And that's to say I've listened to it no less than 50 times before recording this. Because this song is catchy as fuck. Let's make that clear. There is a reason why this song is remembered. Yes, and and it, we have to talk about the genesis of this song. So it was originally, oh, yes, uh, it was originally made by Dr. Luke. It was his song. He made it with Benny Blanco, again, two of the hugest producers of the time. And then the hook itself was uh, written in part by Max Martin, who is the pop producer essentially. If you get Max Martin to work on your song, his hit rate is like ninety five percent. That dude like, just does you, not miss. Like, just from the genesis of this song, there was, like, a non-zero chance that this was going to succeed. Mm. And, and all the reasons why I think this is the most, like, memorable and remarkable and interesting... Interesting, not really the right word, but, like, this is the best song on this record is because it has the most uh, experience and, like, clear 
a sonic vision behind it essentially it has the best hooks it has the best kind of musical development of any of the songs on the record mm. it has the most kind of like personality although i would still say that's probably the biggest sticking point and that again comes oh, back yeah. to tayo i mean and yeah let's talk about that personality real quick because tayo's personality on this song is i like women and i like parties I don't even know if, if I'm convinced that, that he even likes women. Like, he never refers to anyone in this song. It's just me and you and his crew, crew, crew. I think one of the parts that that always sticks out to me in this song is the, I came here to do, 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 do. Like, he does this really shitty, like, bass drop on his own voice. It sounds so terrible. And it's, the autotune makes it worse, but it's those, like, hilarious. Verses, and it's funny because the verses are the parts written by Tayo, and they're so oh underwritten my. that they just like, th- there's like that this they just, vague melodic idea that it just kind of like hits a brick wall and then just yeah. kind of like, uh, just hits a single beat four times in a row at the end of each line and just kind of manipulates it to kind of vaguely fake a melody out of it. Yeah. And also, I just want to ask, my biggest question is, what do you need all that space for your hands for, Tayo? Yeah, he he needs a lot of, that's one thing he emphasizes. And also, I think one of of the, both my hands, 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 hands. One thing I also love is, is the fucking like weird, like, and it goes on and on and on, like, that part has always confused me because like what are we talking about that's just going on and on and on the song it's that that's a bit of a like that that's like a black eyed peas thing like that they just like it is like an ai if you fed it nothing but the popular music at the time and they were just like oh this is where the black eyed peas song would have this little fergie refrain here so let's put it here and not to mention i feel like you you should like i think we need to examine the very real possibility that tayo cruz is in fact an android just because of the verses are the things that he wrote i i have to question the grammatical nature of a of something like i hit the floor because that's my plans 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 <laughs> your plan was to hit the was to hit the, your plans 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 was to hit the floor okay all right you're wearing all your favorite brands 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 the brands, brands line is such a weird thing because like it just establishes him as this completely vapid person like this is what i care about i like my clothes as advertisements for other clothes he says i'm wearing all my favorite brands but he needs a lot of space for his hands so presumably no one is around to see the brands. So it only matters to him. Do you understand? <laughs> He's very protective of his own clothing, particularly. He wants you to know, like, yeah, I'm wearing some hot brands. You, you don't get to know what they are, but I'm wearing them. Stay back. And he wants to celebrate and live his life of vapidity like that's such a deeply felt like i want to celebrate and live my life like that's something that would be in somebody's like wedding vows or some shit and he's over here just being like i want to wear nikes and oakley sunglasses on this dance floor with everyone five feet away from me social distancing is important kids 
I just want to say, <laughs> saying the line, I want to celebrate and live my life is like such a bizarre way of constructing a sentiment because it's essentially the same as saying, I want to party and breathe. Like, <laughs> like, like the second thing precludes the first thing, my dude. Like, like you, you, you can't celebrate before you live your life. Like you celebrate your life. But he also just wants it all. But what, what, what is the all that he wants of? He does say in the bridge, which is the most confusing part of the whole song to me, I'm going to take it all. I'm going to be the last one standing. So what's he in opposition to here? Like, what is the, the conflict? This is a party song about wanting no one else at the party to be associated with you. Well, I'm just That's what dynamite is. I'm trying to understand the internal logic of the lyricism here. So the dynamite metaphor, okay, I get it. He wants to blow up the club. You know, he wants to have a, he wants, he wants to, to he incite, wants to blow up. He wants to incite He's a celebration like, that is so massive that the, the club explodes. And I guess then everyone is flung into the air and that's the higher concept. And, maybe. and like, he's going to be the last one landing. That's another thing we have that, to know. That's note. such a funny line. That's such a, like that line doesn't mean anything. Let's Do you clear. think he like goes to like, like when a plane, like when his private jet lands and it's like angled like this, he goes and runs up to the tail of the plane, <laughs> so that technically speaking, he's the last one Listen, Tyre Cruz, Cruz cannot afford a private jet. He <laughs> definitely rents Taylor Swift. He absolutely can. He's worth like $10 million. I, I feel like th this was in a time period where people who like inextricably, if you were somehow famous, there was just like a private jet was just sort of like summoned into the ether for yeah. you and like as soon as he got the chart success it just sort of existed for mr cruz and that's maybe that's, that's where he gets the name from tayo cruz cruise line if we're oh. like if we're to um just to do a bit of a socio-political commentary here i mean this is happening in the midst of the recession uh you're getting this True. particularly there, there's a housing bubble this particular strand of you know particularly materialistic uh i guess kind of fantasist music that is kind of a bit sickening in some senses but i'm not going to go down that line well there's also the fact that he wants to he wants to blow up the club like it's dynamite this is a post 9-11 album after all so that i mean it's tackling the very topical and, and concept Riley, of terrorism here's another thing i'm thinking about in terms of what you say about this facile materialism is that Tayo's main demographic are those who are under 14. They're, like little kids like this music. Let's, And here's how I know, because this was a song that when I was in like kindergarten on the last day of school, they played this and we had a big dance party like it was Shrek or something. And this is what this music is for. It's for stupid people, like stupid little kids, Tayo assumes, who won't like think about this lyricism. So the materialism falls flat on them because we're also in a pre-cell phone age before cell phones were widely available to children. So Tayo really missed the mark by about four or five years here. And that's who he really should have been aiming for. Do you understand, August, how old it makes me feel to hear that you were listening to this song in kindergarten? I, I was just about to say, I was going to say my, my most prominent memories of this song were in the seventh and eighth grade, I think. 
Oh, and Christ. and yeah and and <laughs> like a popular thing to do when you were like i i remembered like multiple children doing this and this is probably this might be a bit of more of an insulated bubble kind of thing just because i went to a private school in the middle of kentucky so you know maybe this is just a bunch of uh, hickory dickory bullshit but the kids like that i would remember my classmates making up lyrics to this song that weren't the song yes like, they were talking about like they would substitute like throwing your your skittles in the air sometimes and saying yeah. ao taste oh, the rainbow is, wait, this is the same thing y'all remember this with, shit like, yeah that <laughs> this was an same early thing man. happened with like r kelly's i believe i can fly where you just did like yeah. really immature parodies yeah. of it like i believe i can die yeah i believe i can yeah yeah, yeah yeah like yeah. it's that same exactly. demographic because it's got this same level of like imprintable just blandness on it where it doesn't quite the song is anything. made for kids who watched like smosh it's oh not even absolutely like, it's, no you know it's what i mean the yes. blandness it's the sense of like dramatics that that the more dramatic and the more bland the song is together yeah. the more it becomes like fodder for that kind of meme yeah so a song where it's yeah, like melodrama go. meets blandness at the perfect intersection then you're going to have like you know you know 13 year old kids and, making and lyrics. lyrics that are so simple they become mimetic yeah. so that you can like it doesn't matter that the lyrics don't make sense what makes sense <laughs> is that a bunch of kids can take this and make a bunch of lyrics to rhyme with it and sound stupid it's like and, i can't they'll, they'll, i always yeah they giggle on the playground and it's 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 fun i always have a wee laugh when i listen to the song and like he says because i told you once now I told you twice. And he has not yet it's told like you twice. It's like every line on this is a filler line. Like that you just <laughs> leave in there one to, to write a better lyric. It's Oh yeah, like, and that's gotta be something he wrote because that doesn't make a goddamn lick of sense. And it follows his, our pre-established theme of Tayo repeating himself ad nauseum. Mm. Yeah. Do you guys think that Bob Dylan has heard this song? I yes, hope so. Absolutely. I wonder what I, he thinks. I wonder, do you, I just think about that sometimes that we have like 70 year old artists who are once classic song, like Joni Mitchell's still alive. You think Joni Mitchell has been in like a Walmart and heard dynamite on the loudspeakers? It's yeah. like, oh, this is a Bob. I, um, I, I imagine, I imagine Bob Dylan's reaction to this song is like a, the, the Joker and the fool gave the, <laughs> the, gave the queen a lick for his money. And that means he thinks it sucks. Um, he he make he makes his own lyrics to the song like the kids with the skittles did and on the playground. And I told the the <laughs> told you once, once, I told you twice. We gonna let it up like it's the uh, French Revolution in 1983. I, I was gonna say the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> so <laughs> worth noting as well, the song. Lyrically, <laughs> was co-written by Bonnie McKee, who is a, a, a very prolific uh, ghostwriter and pop Bonnie music. Prince Billy. <laughs> Bonnie, <laughs> Bonnie McKee is a very prolific uh, ghostwriter. She wrote or co-wrote basically every Katy Perry hit from 2010 to 2013 that it's, makes a lot of sense and so this has the same kind of like sense of trashy sensibility I mean, she's the other artist that kind of really indulged in this trashiness in that particular era that um well she always had this kind of like sense which she was able to rise above it but it also at the same time be incredibly provocative 
Um, it's why I respect Kesha more than Katy Perry, because Kesha always feels like there was a degree to which someone was in on the bit, mm. whereas Katy and, Perry, it was always just kind of like, and also like, I don't know about this. Once Kesha, like, you know, went off on her own and, and got a new record deal and all that, she actually showcased diversity in her subsequent music. Uh, yeah. Like, I still listen to Rainbow or songs off of that every now and then. That's a really, really good album. Praying um, is one of the best pop songs of the 2010s, frankly. Yeah. Anyway, um, one last thing yeah. I want to talk about on the note of dynamite. I mean, something we've, I, I don't know how we haven't made a big deal out of this yet, but essentially like, oh boy, what Tayo is doing, Tayo and Bonnie together, and they should be held accountable, is they are essentially advocating for a terror attack. And I don't, I don't feel that we have. I mean, appreci- I mentioned this. You did mention it, but I don't feel like we have properly underlined that. What this song ultimately is, is a song about a terror attack. You fuck it. You, you piece of shit. You can't even honor the dead, and you, you can't even respect the great tragedy that is 9-11. I am disgusted. <laughs> I am going up to my uncle's house, and we will be having uh, two large red hot dogs with a lot of relish on them to commemorate the thousands who died in 9-11 anyway are there by any chance august i guess this is really just a question for you but jake as well any deep cuts on this album that you want to bring up or talk about are are there any i i guess the first thing i should ask are there any deep cuts anyone remembers i i think of (laughs) their their lyrics on i can be they're really stuck with me, you know, like it starts off with now I feel that this hold of mine has taken many forms already getting really dense with the prose here and then follows it up with <laughs> still sometimes the rain can turn into a waterfall. Now, what <laughs> also the prettiest things can come out of the coldest mind. Truly a reincorporation of the themes we saw on Break Your Heart. Yeah. And even with broken wings, sometimes you can find your way to fly. Now I get the sentiment of this, but also that's not how that works. If your wings are broken, you you're gonna you're gonna die. Well, man. R. Kelly believed R. Kelly believed he could fly. And, <laughs> and he then, got shot by the FBI. The the best part about this though is the real inspirational tone to the chorus which is it's time to be bigger bigger stronger stronger harder harder (laughs) and he's singing it so impassionately he's like it's time to be bigger bigger stronger stronger like this is a ballad damn it about how he is hard I like how broken the English is in this song and in lines like, now I feel that this soul of mine has had its many tolls. Uh, so still sometimes- I'm not giving this, Tayo poetic license here. Still sometimes this pain is what we need for us to grow. So when it's time for me to look into my deeper side, I will find a way to hold on to the love inside. Just to wrap this up, do you guys remember any of- uh, Tayo's subsequent hits on on uh his follow-up album like hangover and troublemaker god no oh, i gosh. remember those songs Hell particularly no. hangover as well that's like 
Oh, that's no, got I've never even heard of it. You've never heard okay. a note of that song, Jake. I want you to guess. I want you to just guess how the chorus to that song goes. Don't overthink this. Song. Just say, how does the chorus to the song Hangover go? I've got a hangover. That's exactly right. That is a, the whole chorus <laughs> is exactly what you just said. And you almost got the, the, the <laughs> tone of how he says it as well. It's amazing. So that's all we natural I got a hangover. Whoa, whoa. I've been drinking too whoa. much for sure. I've got a hangover. Whoa, whoa. I got an empty cup. Pour me some more. So I can go until I blow up and I can drink until I throw up and I don't ever want to grow up. I want to keep it going. Keep, keep, keep it going, 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 going. I got a little bit trash last night. Night. I got a little bit wasted. I can't yeah. stop partying, partying. I, I got a little bit mashed last night. I got a little bit shit-faced. I'm not joking. He says shit-faced as the rhyme oh with gosh. wasted. <laughs> and it's That's like some it's, lyrical, spelled, miracle shit. it's spelled out on the lyrics page like shit-faceted. Like this is how it's written. <laughs> the shit-faceted. He says, obviously, he says shit-faced. It's amazing. I, I would love, I would love to hear Tayo Cruz say a word like Schadenfreuden. Uh, <laughs> like I just want that to exist because I think that would be funny fundamentally. Schadenfreude. That's just new. Schadenfreude. Look, Schadenfreude. I want to um, just read you. Maybe a that's Tayo's comeback song. Here's a comment from the Genius page. Hangover, the international lead single of Tayo Cruz's third album, Tai.O, is one of the artist's most played songs. But ironically, it is evident. Is it now? Ironically, it is evident that Flo Rider's clever, flowing lyricism overshadows Tayo's repetitiveness throughout this party anthem. And I just want to read you what Flo Rider's verse says. <laughs> Let's drink, hear it. I'm drink so up, because no, no. a party ain't a party till you ride out through it. End up on the floor, but can't remember. You clueless. Officer like, what the hell is you doing? Stumbling, fumbling, you want to what? Come again? Give me hen, give me gin, give me liquor, give me champagne bubbles till I'm bent. What happens after that? If you inspired, then tell a friend. Like, oh, my homie Tayo, we can all sip again. Get it in, and again and again. <laughs> Leave evidence. <laughs> Wasted, so what? Irrelevant. Beer kicked, beer kicked to the head. <laughs> Who's selling it? <laughs> I got a hangover. That's my medicine. There's, there's there's a lot happening here. Don't mean to brag or sound too intelligent. A little Jack can't hurt this veteran. <laughs> I show up. <laughs> I never. <laughs> Just so much happening in this verse. His <laughs> clever real lyricism overshadows Tayo's repetitive verse, truly. I like the vague allusions to violence. In this in this verse, like leaving evidence, smashing um, him with a keg, a beer keg to the head, <laughs> like that's not what you're supposed to do. Uh, um, <laughs> I love that he refers to himself as a veteran as well, but also in the context of the fact that because he's a veteran, Jack Daniels can't hurt him. I don't know what that. Thank you for your service, Mister Flow Rider. I saw when you arrived, looking like a supermodel. <laughs> Your ass from the side looks like a Coke bottle. <laughs> what? I love the way you ride, put that thing on full throttle. 
So get up on this what saddle. thing? I want to see it, you. Moving. I think the ass is I what is being referred to. I want to see you moving. That sounds disgusting. Put the put your ass on full throttle. I want to see you moving like they're moving in Jamaica. <laughs> Wait for it. Pretend that I'm a dinner. She can be my salt shaker. <laughs> Sexy little mama, it's really nice to meet you. Can I be in your classroom and be your private teacher? If I bring out my camera, will you be in my feature? Because we're going to do some things. Hope your daddy ain't a preacher. Mm-mm. Like nope. none of that, none of that story, first off, makes any sense. But yeah, that's kind of beyond. I, I, I'm delighted that, like, that neither of no, you remember the song. <laughs> yeah, no, like, so he goes into the classroom, but now he's the teacher, even though yeah, he's going into she's, her she's the troublemaker. She is the naughty student who needs to be set straight. That's the bit. okay. Uh, that's it's only it, he it's just only... he just worded it in a way that was like completely backwards and antithetical to the point it's only where it's he, only a yeah. little bit pedophilic it's fine now the thing is i've kept a secret from you two oh, no. about this oh, song no. which which song dynamite dynamite okay dynamite is my joker origin story and here's how so you'll remember the kindergarten dance party that I established earlier in this episode as being something we did. See, this is reincorporation, kids, basic film theory. Don't go to film school. It's a waste of money. Anyways, I was but a wee child and I liked Dynamite. My dad can, my parents can attest to this. I listened to it all the time and they were greatly annoyed by it. And, you know, I was like, yeah, this is, this is kind of a cool, fun song, whatever. You know, I was a dumb kid. I didn't really have any taste in anything. But then the end of the year dance party came around and the whole elementary school gathered in the gymnasium. And then we started playing the loudspeaker. And we went through song after song, pop hit from the year 2009, 2010, whenever, whatever decade ago this was. And it was all fine until we got to the last song. And the last song for the the agenda that night was Dynamite. And something in me snapped. When I saw all those people dancing to this song, I had a realization. I remembered something that a friend of mine, a brother of a friend rather, had told me that this song dynamite it's it's just the trash. It's just the popular garbage. And I I had dismissed that, but then I saw that auditorium full of people. I saw them all dancing. And you know what I did? I sat down. I sat down for the duration of dynamite, even when my kindergarten teacher gestured her hand so politely to make a young August feel included, I batted it away. Because at that moment, I realized that I couldn't take it. I couldn't stand it. I did. I hated this song. I realized this was vapid shit. This was trash for the masses. Teo Cruz, you are nothing. 
your songs mean nothing, your music is vapid, and that is why you won't be remembered. This song is garbage. It is shit. This album fucking sucks. This song fucking broke me. This song literally fucking broke me. So this was years coming, Tayo. This was 12 years Count of Monte Cristo ass planning to take you down. And you know what? Yeah, I'm rocking you. I am fucking rocking you. And you know what? I don't even need to throw a hand up in the air. I can just throw up one finger. Dynamite is the origin of my persona on this podcast. This <laughs> is this is a, a kind of realization, a completion. Dynamite is me. I am dynamite. I'm transcending. I'm becoming something greater than this podcast. I am going, I am going to come myself. I didn't actually. Anyway, let's, uh, favorite tracks and ratings. Jake. Um, uh, well, here's the thing about this album is that we kind of got up in the minutiae of discussing these songs individually. Overall, this is one of the worst albums I think I've ever listened to for this podcast. Uh, I mean, in all sincerity, it just has, like, I, I don't have a compliment to give it. Like, I can say that it, it, it it's, it's short. It doesn't last a long time. So that's why I can't say it's the absolute worst thing. But it's just like, hey, do you like feeling like a sex offender for 40 minutes by listening to some of the worst sounding music that's ever been made? It's bad. I don't really have three favorite. I mean, the three best tracks on here are probably Break Your Heart, Dynamite, and uh, the fucking Higher, I guess, because it's not Dirty Picture. Um, least favorite song, I, I don't know. Fucking all of them. Who cares? <laughs> 1.5. Uh, favorites it, it's gonna be have have to be much of the same as jake i i would agree completely it's dynamite just for being by virtue of being the most memorable uh higher because it's kind of funny and uh fucking ludicrous whatever least favorite is also dynamite for reasons i've detailed i'll give it a two my favorite track is Max Martin. My least favorite track is Tyo Cruz. 1.5. Damn. Which means we get an average of 1.7 for Tyo Cruz's Rockstar. Let us know at home what this album means to you. What are your favorite songs? What is your relationship with the music of Tyo Cruz? What memories do you hold of experiencing Tayo's art in your own life? And what did you think of our conversation of the music of Tayo Cruz? Tayo Cruz, Tayo Cruz, Tayo Cruz, Tayo Cruz. If you enjoyed the video, Tayo Cruz, the button. If you want to go above and beyond and Tayo Cruz us, you can hit the Tayo Cruz and for just Tayo Cruz a month, you can become a part of the Tayo Cruz family 
and get your name featured in the tire cruise with every tire cruise on this tire cruise plus if you want to recommend us a tire cruise to listen to your tire cruise will go to the top of the tire cruise as always folks brand slogan <laughs>